You may have a seat. You know, I was thinking about um, the mustard seed, the parable of the mustard seed, and how Jesus says, if you have faith the size of this little seed, you can do this thing, move this mountain over there. And, And then I thought about this series that we've been in, in the gospel of Mark, and how it is this mustard seed, this gospel message through this one man, Jesus, that permeated through three and then 12 and then exploded through the region. And here we are over 2,000 years later, present and celebrating what Jesus Christ did all that time ago. And he is more alive and more present than any other time in history. It is the size of the mustard seed, faith the size of a mustard seed, and it starts right in here. And so if you're visiting, I want to welcome you. My name's Jose. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Cypress Creek Church. And we have been going through this gospel according to Mark through the summer. We're in chapters 9 and 10. We hit the turning point yesterday, um, last week, when we talked about Jesus saying that he must suffer and he must die. So he's explicit with his agenda. He's saying that he is not going to be king and reigning here on earth, that he's got to go to the cross because he's going to reign forever after he defeats death. The disciples are struggling with this. And as I was reading chapters 9 and 10, something popped out immediately. When anything is repeated in scripture, that means pay attention. And it was the concept of the first will be last. Have you ever heard that in scripture? Have you ever read Jesus teaching that, that the first will be last and the last will be first? All of that. And so it stuck out to me that it wasn't only repeated in these two chapters, but it was also explained. How do we live this out? That's what I hope we get to learn this morning. We're going to look at five points and five questions that follow up those points, how Jesus is teaching us to live these first will be last type lifestyles. Now, let's be honest. No one wants to be last. Anybody? I didn't think so. We're Americans. We like to be first in everything. Anybody else like to be first? Am I the only one? I grew up watching soccer, uh, and so the national Mexican team is my soccer team of preference, and I went through a lot uh, of struggle with the U.S. national men's soccer team. Austin Uresti is wearing the jersey somewhere. I saw him earlier because the U.S. is good at every sport on earth. We win the most Olympic medals in the Olympics, and I thought, just give us soccer. Just let the Mexican national team win at one sport because truth be told, soccer is not all that popular. Am I right? And so in Mexico, that's all we're passionate about is in football. And so please just give us that one sport every defeat. You know, the the U.S., when when they beat Mexico, is just like, ah, ah, ah. Anyway, (laughs) I'm done with that. Let's get to the word of God. No one wants to be last. Everyone wants to be first. And so Jesus hits us with a counter-cultural principle to live by. Again, further explained in these two chapters. I want to pray real quick and then we'll dive in 
to his word. Father, we thank you for this word. I pray that you would use me to speak your words, God, and that they would teach us how to live, how to respond to your gospel message in this time and for your glory. I pray that you would supernaturally speak to every life in this room, every circumstance represented here. We trust you and we love you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. So turning point, Jesus has said, hey, I'm going to the cross. The disciples don't quite get there. And I'm going to start with my first point before I talk about the first story. The first point on how to live lives that say the first will be last is we need to designate Jesus as our priority. Does Jesus come first in your life? And here's why I say that point before moving forward. If he doesn't come first, then this doesn't make sense. If you're not following Jesus, if you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then it doesn't make sense that we are to serve and come last. See, here's what's happening in this first scene. James, John, and Peter, Jesus' really primary three disciples and friends are taken up on top of a hill and the transfiguration happens. Jesus's clothes become super white and all of a sudden, boom, here pops Elijah and boom, here pops up Moses. Crazy theophany type experience in Jesus is, is there. The disciples are confused. Verse seven of chapter nine, we hear the Father's voice from heaven. Then a cloud appeared, which always symbolizes God's presence when clouds appear in scripture, and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. When we designate Jesus as our primary in this life, when we say First in my life, not my job, not even my family, but first comes Jesus. We are listening to the Father and we are obeying Jesus. Elijah and Moses, to just explain a little bit of what happens, it's quite the mystery, but Elijah was a prophet. And so he represents the Old Testament prophets and Moses gave us the law, the Torah. So he represents the Torah. And we know from scripture that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And so we're seeing the fulfillment of Jesus as the Messiah right here on this mountain. Could you imagine what it was like for Peter, James, and John to see this? Untruly believable. So first, designate, does Jesus come first in your life? Otherwise, first will become last, does not make sense. So then they are passing through Galilee. We're still in chapter nine, and he clearly tells his disciples for the second time that he is going to die and then be raised again. Third time for Peter, James, and John. And he tells them that he's going to be delivered into the hands of men and be killed, but rise on the third day. And scripture tells us that they didn't get it. In verse 33, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. The disciples were like us. They wanted to be first. They wanted the status. They wanted the privilege. They wanted that uh, a fame that came with knowing the Messiah. And he says, uh, sitting down, Jesus called the 12, verse 35. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. First time that we hear this concept of first will must be 
last. This is a truth bomb that Jesus is giving to the disciples. And to illustrate this, verse 36, he took a little child and we placed among them. In taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So he's speaking to the disciples about children. Y'all, it hit me this week. God's love, the Father's love for children. I was reading these verses and I was thinking about my kids and I was thinking about uh, kids camp last week when we celebrated over 140 kids coming to this body as we put on this three-day camp so that they can hear the love that Jesus has for them and that their heavenly Father is showing them Jesus loves children. But back then, children were not well high, highly regarded. Today, a lot of us, uh, we revolve around our kid's life. Whatever athletic event, whatever thing is going on in our kid's life, we prioritize our lives around our kid's life. Not so then. By the way, that's not the best idea. But back then, they just disregarded children. They were overlooked. And so he illustrates the first must be last by taking this child and says, welcome one of these. What does this mean? It means that we need to be dedicated to look at those that have been overlooked by society. Dedicate who in your life is overlooked. We, uh, my wife and I, have had a heart for foster kids in the foster world for many years now. Did you know that right now there's over 30,000 kids in the foster care system in the state of Texas. There's over 1,400 in uh, Travis County, Hayes County, and Kamau County. That's right here in our community. Especially these older kids have been overlooked by so many. And you and I, because we represent the Lord Jesus Christ, can show up in many different ways. We don't just need to be foster parents. There's many things that we can do, like partner with Foster Village, one of our ministry local partners that we support. We can do a lot to surround these kids and provide them with the love and care that they need. But see, it's not only the kids that are being overlooked. It's my kids at home and your kids at home that are being overlooked when we choose to designate other things as our priority but Jesus. We ignore them when they are asking for our attention. We say, no, my job is more important right now than paying attention to you or my agenda. These things that we place before taking care of our own kids. First become uh, first will be last means dedicate who dedicate time, energy, who in your life is overlooked. The disciples then go to Judea and are asked by the Pharisees about marriage, and Jesus makes two things clear here. He says that some laws are in response to our hardened hearts, and then he also says that marriage is sacred, and from the beginning, it was God's idea. Marriage was one man, one woman coming together, the family 
of God. And he goes on and brings children back into this story. In verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus. Do you see the repetition here? For him to place his hands on them and bless them, but the disciples rebuked them. See, the disciples said, no, Jesus is here to deliver. Jesus is here to heal. Jesus is here to talk to adults about adult matters and to do all of these miracles. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the child in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. A beautiful picture that Jesus is showing us. Not only do we uh, uh, look and dedicate time to those that are being overlooked, but we need to depend on Jesus the way that a child depends on their mother and father. So my third point, depend. Are you fully depending on God? Think about children and how sometimes their needs overwhelm our ability to meet them. Anybody else? And so I feel sometimes overwhelmed by the needs of my kids. And what I'm learning to do is say, man, there's no way that I'll be able to meet all your needs, but our heavenly father can. So I lead them to their heavenly father in his love for them because there's no way that as an earthly dad, I'll be able to do what their heavenly father can do. And it's the same with us. Are we being fully depending on God? Jesus continues uh, this theme as this rich young ruler shows up, runs up to Jesus and says, hey, how, what, do I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gives them the last five of the Ten Commandments. He says, you must uh, honor your father and mother. You must not murder. You must not lie. You must not steal. And, and then the man says, sweet, I've kept all of those. And Jesus then says, now go and sell all of your possessions. So not only is it about the doing, it's about the depending we must be fully dependent on God. Verse 24, it says that the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children. Now Jesus is addressing his disciples as children. How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of an eagle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? This is a sermon in and of itself, but hear this. There is, if we are independent human beings, not depending on our heavenly father, it is impossible for us to live the way that God has called us to live. We may have status, we may have things, we may have happiness, but we will not have the joy that gives us the ability to go through every circumstance, the highs and the lows that this life throws our ways. Jesus is asking this man and the disciples to be fully dependent on God. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them, said, with man, with our effort, if it was up to us, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And then Peter spoke up. 
We haven't seen Peter now since he raised his hands and told Jesus, you can't die, Jesus, because I have, you're the Messiah. You've raised people from the dead. How, what do you mean you're gonna die? And then Jesus uh, tells Peter, get behind me, Satan, because your agenda is not my agenda. Well, Jesus is redeeming himself here. It's good when we see redemption happening right here live. Jesus spoke up, verse 28. We have left everything to follow you. Jesus, Peter is saying, we've done this. Jesus, verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Verse 31, second time we read it. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Here's the next point. Are we willing to deny status that this world has to offer? Keyword willing, and we'll go into that a little bit, but what Jesus is saying here right now is if you are not willing to leave home, brother, sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields for me and the gospel, you'll fail to receive underline a hundred times as much because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. It is a life of blessing. He does show up in miraculous ways. Anybody seen God work a miracle in their life and provide more, exceedingly abundantly more than anything that you could ever done on your own? Let me see your hands. I'm glad I'm not the only one. That's what he does when we depend fully on God. And then we're willing to deny the status. It says we will have those things along with persecutions. We must be willing to be made fun of. We must be willing to be wrong in the eyes of the world. We must be willing to be called fools for the sake of the gospel. Many who are first will be last and the last first. Here's the last scene, closing up with this. In verse 35, we see the dynamic duo, sons of thunder, sons of Zebedee, James and John. The sons of Zebedee came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's a bold question. Anybody else there with me? I mean, you're asking Jesus to do whatever you want. Okay, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked this to me, ministered to me, maybe perhaps more than anything else. Why? Because it shows Jesus' patience and grace with them, which mirrors his patience and grace with me when I miss it, when I don't get it. Isn't God's kindness awesome? What do you want me to do for you, he asks. And they replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other one on your left in your glory. So they understood that Jesus was going to defeat and, and be, be, be king, be named. Uh, he was going to reign over perhaps death. Bold statement, a chance that they were willing to fight 
for Jesus and do whatever they needed to do. That's why in verse 38, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, alluding to his death uh, on the cross and, and, and being tortured? In verse 39, it says, we can. They answered, Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Jesus is telling them, look, uh, I and the Father, we have this relationship, and this is a beautiful picture of the Trinity, and he's saying, uh, uh, I will undergo this baptism by fire. I will have to uh, drink of this cup of suffering, and by the way, because you're my followers, so will you. And they did. In verse 41, we see that the ten, the disciples, they were upset. They became indignant with James and John because they spoke up first. But then again, Jesus gives them the bottom line. Jesus called them together, and he said, "You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. This." is how every business, how every organization, how every government works here in the world, right? The rulers rule, and everybody else serves. Rulers have authority. Everybody obeys and and follows them. Uh, One of the currencies that I think is the most powerful, uh, this is my opinion, it's not fame, and it's not money. It's time. You know who's in charge when other people don't have to wait on that person. Think about it. In D.C., when we lived there, it was often that we would get blockaded by the Secret Service so that the president could go through downtown wherever he wanted to go. Time was is the currency of kings. A king doesn't wait. A leader doesn't wait. That's the servant's job, to wait on someone. That's why we tip good waitresses, because they did a good job waiting. They did their Service And so what Jesus is saying is that's the order here in this world. And he flips it upside down in verse 43, and he says this, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Third and last time that Jesus repeats this in these two chapters. Are you willing to deny and give up status? It doesn't mean you give up status uh, because you're a follower of Christ. No, if it comes, if persecution comes or, or if something happens because of the gospel, are you willing to give it up? Are you saying, Jesus, you are our first. I designated you number one in my life. So if something comes up, absolutely, I am willing to deny status here on earth. So far, we have designate. Does Jesus come first in your life? Dedicate. Who in your life is overlooked? Depend. Are you fully depending on God and deny? Are you willing to give up status? And this last point really should come first, and that is dwell. Are you resting in the gospel? Mark 10, 45 is the theme verse of the gospel of Mark. And I think the source of power because Jesus says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life 
as a ransom for many. God is waiting for you and for me on a daily basis to come to him and say, God, I'm gonna designate you, number one. God, I'm gonna dedicate my time and my energy to look at those that are being overlooked by society. I'm gonna show your agape love to those that will not return it. I am going to depend on you fully and I'm gonna deny willing to give up any status for the sake of the gospel. But if we miss out on this last point, it's just gonna be a bunch of dues. We are called to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This gospel truth is here for us today. Worship team, you can come back up. There's a man named Paul, and he did all of these things. He depended on God fully. He had high status. He was the religious elite of the time, but he gave all that up when he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he dedicated his life to the Gentiles, to people like you and me who were overlooked by the Israelites. And then with power, he taught, and he taught us how to live lives fully dependent on God and how to remain and rest in the power of the gospel. I don't know what your life circumstance is right now, but I pray and hope that as we close this morning and as we go and celebrate the 4th of July with picnic in the best brisket ever and parade tomorrow. I hope that deep down you know that you have a father in heaven that sees you as his son and his daughter, and he loves you, and he gave it all up for you. I want to close by reading Philippians 2. These are Paul's words of what Jesus did for us and how to continue to live life as first will be last. Have this mind among yourself, Philippians 2, 5, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. If you're able to, please stand and pray with me.